And I know what Lord just told me, Aaron, I, I just need you to bring encouragement today. I don't need you to tell them what to do. I'll give you some little practical steps at the end, but really from the scripture today, um, we're going to talk, we're just going to try and encourage. And you know, there's an epidemic in our culture. There's an epidemic of, of family issues and discord and all sorts of things. And, um, but I want to offer some refreshing to, to you guys who walk a difficult journey today because there's nothing like when it's a hot, when it's hot outside. You've been working. You're walking a long journey. My, wife, my wife's a runner. And uh, she's going to be running in a 5K this coming weekend and, and trying to uh, catch up with that kind of stuff. Hannah can tell you when you're running and it's hot out and you're sweating. Luke knows about it a little bit, don't you? Huh? Nothing like this, man. Nothing like that. The sun's beating down on you. You find yourself in a very difficult, maybe a, a hot desert wilderness place, and there's nothing like that. The problem is sometimes we can't find that. The problem is sometimes we have a hard time locating where that might come from while we're walking a journey. When the journey gets hot, when the journey gets difficult, when, the, when we find ourselves wandering in a place we didn't think we'd be, sometimes finding a well might be hard. Finding somebody who can get us that glass of water might be difficult. And so today I kind of want to talk about that. Um, the desert or wilderness we're going to talk about today is that of single parenting. Epidemic in our culture, single parent families. It's not unusual to find homes where there's not both biological parents in the house or some, in some cases any, any, any union of parenting in, in the house. You know, I want to say something. I've, watched, I've got the chance in ministry over the years to, to watch a lot of families function and operate. And I have to say, you single parents are heroes to me. As Jim was talking a minute ago, because he kind of stole my message, really. Because we've all found ourselves in that place. And I thought of you, you, you single parents. You find yourself laying somewhere you didn't intend to lay. You're carrying a load you don't want to bear. You didn't mean to bear. And you got to keep dealing with life, and you, you make concessions, and you, you, you make sacrifices, and there's, you feel like at times there's not hardly anybody around who can help get underneath that with you, and you, you try and figure out, and I've, I've watched for years, I've watched single moms and single dads at times have, just keep trucking. I don't know how you do it sometimes. I mean, I, I, I was just, I was, I was, I was, Getting ready the last night, and I kind of clicked over to my Twitter account, and as soon as I clicked in, I saw a pastor that I followed, just, just left this tweet, which I thought, well, that's God's, God's just saying, Aaron, keep trucking, you're going the right direction. He, said, he just said these words, single parents don't know how you do it. Talk about his wife. Grace is out of town. Zach has a baseball tourney. 15 minutes in, I was in over my head, despite the awesome kids. I've had to spend days, hours with my wife not being around, and boy, my heart is off to you guys who do that week in and week out, day in and day out. And I, I just want to say this. 
thank you. Thank you for not giving up. And thank you for not giving in. And thank you for continuing to play the game and staying in the fray and staying in the battle. You don't get much of this where you live. You don't get much of that in your home. You don't get much of that from your kids. You don't get that from your ex. You don't get that from anybody else. But you do get that from Jesus. And I say, hip, hip, hooray for you. Thank you. And Jesus has some things to say to you today. And we're going to look at the plight of a single parent today. A lady named Hagar. She finds herself in a place where she is, is, is not where she intended to be. Her background is this. She lives in a home with a man named Abraham and his other wife. That's a whole nother ball. That's a whole nother ball wax. Somebody's going to try and tackle today. Woo! She finds herself being the second wife of a man named Abraham, who's in the scripture. God made certain promises to Abraham about what his lineage and his life and his heritage would be. And instead of letting God do God's thing, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their hands. That's, that's Abraham's first wife, in case you're wondering. And when she was barren and God kept making promises and nothing was happening, she said to Abraham, Sarah did, maybe we can make this happen. And she takes Abraham by the hand, points him around the corner. You see my servant girl, Hagar? Maybe we can get you that child God said you should have. And they make an arrangement for Abraham to hook up with Hagar she becomes his second wife, has a child, and then discord and all sorts of craziness starts to happen inside the home. Sarah and Hagar can't get along, and things are happening, and then finally God does his thing, and, and Sarah finds herself pregnant at a very, very old age, and you know what happens? There's, does any of that make sense to you? I want to go, Abraham. What were you thinking, buddy? Huh? You want to you tackle two wives at the same time? Really? I mean, I have a hard enough time juggling one with both hands. You know what I mean? Over and over again, I, 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 I'm not nearly capable to keep, to keep two ladies going on the right track. I'm just not even close. Apparently, I'm not in, a, in an odd predicament because uh, Craig Rochelle said yesterday that, that, that Samson could do all kinds of feats of strength, but the one thing he couldn't do was lead a woman. And I don't think that was her fault. I think that was his fault. I'm not many, I don't want women or anything today, but I am saying this. Uh, that's, a tough, that's a tough, tall order to, 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 to bring to the table. And so at, as all this friction begins to happen, Sarah offers... Uh, I don't think she offers. I think she sort of demands uh, some resolution to the conflict. And so Abraham and Sarah decide on a plan, and we'll pick that up in verse 14 of Genesis 21. So Abraham got up early the next morning. He prepared food in a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son. And she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. There's so much emotion packed into those few verses. Holy smoke. 
Hagar walked. She walked because she had to. She really had no choice. She finds herself in a single parent issue, not because she wants to, not because of anything, but the the circumstances disallowed her from doing anything else. She, she, some of you understand that. You, you, you didn't have any choice. There, was, there, there are issues with, with your former spouse. There were there are issues in, in, in the home, and, and things just came to a place where they, they could not be resolved, and you had no, uh, no, no chance to put it back together, and you, there, there was danger either for you or for your children or something, and you, just, you, had, to, you had to go. Some of you, some people, maybe some of you, don't, didn't walk because you had to. You just wanted to. Can I say something? Maybe. Just maybe that's you. There's this thing we believe in in the gospel called grace. That's available to you. God's got that covered. Some of you aren't the ones who walked. You were the ones who got walked on. Woke up one morning, note on the table. Some of you got up one morning, there was no note. There was just absence. It was gone. For one reason or another. That's a hard, hard thing. I know your heart hurts, and I know... And the inside there is grief and frustration that, 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 that's beyond real. The Lord knows where you are. I'll prove that to you in just a minute. The other part about, about Hagar's story is this. She was weighed down. You see that? It says that Abraham prepared food and container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. The weight of this circumstance was literally all upon her. She, 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 every step she took, she was aware of how desperate the circumstance was. She was weighed down not only with the physical circumstances of where life was, she was weighed down with emotional baggage. She was weighed down with regret. She was weighed down with, with, with maybe bitterness. She was weighed down with, 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 with uh, she was weighed down maybe with her own decisions. I'm sure she sat there that afternoon in the wilderness, in the desert, and she went, what have I got myself into? And she began to replay and record. And her enemy, the accuser, Satan, sat right there next to her and egged her down the path. You know, you should have never done that. You should have never acted that way. What were you thinking when you went in there with Abraham? And, boom, and all of a sudden, she's got this, and the weight of all that is just, bent, just, just, just laying down on top of her. She was weighed down with betrayal. Abraham was supposed to be her husband. What in the world? Sarah was supposed to be her friend. What in the world? Sarah, they, 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 they all had relationship prior to all of this. And all of a sudden, there's just all this weight and ugliness and frustration and all of that. Some of you single parents carry that kind of, kind of thing where you're like, man, I, I didn't see this coming. I, I tried to do, and, and, and I should have done that, and I should have done this. And if they hadn't have done that, and we did, and what were they thinking? And they're so ugly and blah, 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 and all that. And, and, and even today, this morning, there's just weight. There's just weight. 
The other thing that happened with, with Hagar is she wandered. All of this walking and being weighted down left her in a place where she's just like, she's despondent. She's, she's so despondent that she takes her son and she lays him underneath a bush and she just walks away. Just, I can't deal with it anymore. I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't have to deal with it anymore. I don't have to be there anymore. I don't have to. to, to and she's, she's just completely wrung out. She lost hope. I find myself at times in a place of just existence. A place where my whole hope for a day is just to survive. Just to make it. Not really thinking about tomorrow, if I can just get through today. And I've never been where some of you single parents are. And I think, Lord Jesus, how, how, how? You know, there's, there's no, what, what's the point? What, what, why am I? When she looked back, I'm sure she, she laid that boy underneath that bush and she walked away. She looked back and she goes, I guess that just adds to it. I, I don't even have enough to feed him, let alone me, and I don't know what to do. And I, there's bills that's got to be paid, and there's things that's got to get done, and we're out here in the middle of no place, and there's really nobody can help, and I don't know what to do. And she's just going all the way through that. Some of us find ourselves there at times. We feel like there's no answer, no solution, no relief, no help. There's only and only, only, only place we can see, only, only anywhere we turn, all we see is need and lack. She is in the desert. That means there's no trees. That means there is no fertile soil. There's no shade. There is no water. There's no place to cultivate food. There are no other animals. There's nothing. She, she, I mean, no matter where she turns, 360 degrees around her life, she looks around and there is nothing but need, only lack. Some of us feel like we're there right now. We just take a full scope of life and things and stuff. And every time we, no matter where we turn, where we see, we just see need. And lack. Sounds really horrible, doesn't it? I'm glad to say this. This is not the end of the story. Today, wherever there might be need and lack, this is not the end of the story. This is not where the path ends. This is not where the story comes to the the end of the... You know what you hate when you're watching a TV show and you're really locked into it and you get to the end and everything's happening and all of a sudden it goes, to be continued. What? Are you kidding me? In this story, that is not the case today. You don't have to come back next week. You don't have to turn into the same time, same channel. We're going to keep the story rolling today, Okay. If you find that you're a person who has walked or been walked on, if you find today 
that you are a person who, who, who is weighted down by grief and frustration and, and burden. If you're a person today who's here and you find that you are just wandering and you're just trying to survive the day or the week or the month or, or whatever, if you're, if you're here today and you're, just, you're, you're the person who, who finds yourself just in the wilderness and you just like need and, 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 and desperation and stuff, all around you, the story's not over yet. I heard Craig Rochelle say yesterday, if you're not dead, you're not done. Huh? Kid president say, you got breath in your nose. You got blood in your veins. You were made to make the world awesome. Huh? God ain't done yet. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still aware. And Jesus is right, right, right nearby, I promise. You know what? Some of you feel like you're, you're here because you are truly lonely. Physically, there's something absent. There's, a spouse is gone for whatever reason. Some of you are here because you feel that, 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 that yoke of oppression because there's just nobody with skin on next to you. Some of you, you're here because, you know what? It's not that they're, they're absent physically. It's that they're absent emotionally and relationally. Communication is gone. You, 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 you try and work things out, and you just live in the same home. You really don't have much else going on. And you're just, you're just trying to make it. And though, though you, you are together, you're not really together. You're just kind of our roommates. And you're frustrated. And you see lack. And you see need. And you see weighing down. And you see what's the point. And you see all that stuff. Some of you are here not because they're physically absent. You're, some of you are, are fr- frustrated with that because right now there's a spiritual lack in your life between you and your spouse. There's a spiritual disconnect. You've walked for a long time as, as the one person who's tried to walk with Jesus and tried to be what God wants to be. And at the same time, you feel the weight of trying to carry that spiritual load and that spiritual weight of, of being the person that, 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 that carries all of it and tries to make sure the kids know what's right and wrong. Try to make sure that you know what, 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 what the scriptures say. Try to know, make sure they know who Jesus is and you carry the weight of that. Some of you are here right now because you're dealing with grief in the form of, 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 of death. You didn't anticipate that. They didn't walk on purpose. They, sickness and disease overran the day. And what in the world? You know what some of you? find yourself kind of where Ishmael is not because of your own children or your own family but because Ishmael's your grandbabies your grandchildren find themselves in a place that there's lack and there's need and you've decided you're going to help shoulder that load and you find yourself in a wilderness and, and weighed down and frustrated and you know what I have to say to you there's a lot there's a lot of grandparents these days who have to have to parent the people they're supposed to be spoiling because a parent or both parents got there's so much going on or things happening that they that somebody's got to fill the hole got to fill the void if you're in that spot listen there's an answer for you his name is Jesus god's always there to help my, 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 I would clap for every one of you grandparents who've taken that on. Every one of you foster parents who've taken that on. Understand the, the grief and the frustration, the weight of abandonment that, that, that children feel. So let's keep the story going. What do you say? God's not done yet. 
See, verse 17 starts like this. But God. <laughs> I don't say anything else. Those are the two biggest words in all of Scripture. But God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, my goodness. Here is Hagar in the middle of this despondent, frustrated, dry, desperate, dark place. And right there, there are two words that intervene in the middle of the story and changes everything. But God. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever. Child who feels abandoned, like Ishmael. Child who feels like, listen, I got something for you. But God knows where you are. But God, he is right near. But God, he has something to say. But God has never left you nor forsaken you. But God, maybe today, Jim, I can be Jones to somebody. Maybe today, when you're underneath the pier, maybe today I can go, listen, God's not far away. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a way of sorting this thing out. But God, two of the biggest phrases Words in scripture, one of the biggest things ever said, and you'll find it over and over again in scripture. There's a place where it comes, but God had other plans. But God allowed Jesus to be on ready. But God, he's always right there. He has a solution to the issue. But God heard the boy crying, verse 17 says. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid with an exclamation point. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I'll make him a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he sat on the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. Something to understand about this particular piece of scripture. This boy, I'm trying to figure out how that all happened. This boy, Ishmael, isn't, isn't, we get the impression maybe that he's a little, a little one. He's, you know, a toddler or something like that. He's not. He's 17 years old. Strange story. But a bustling, heavy, strong strapping young man and Hagar's the one packing the water and the food and all that stuff I think that's there on purpose for the weight of parenthood and she, she lays him underneath a bush and God shows up I love this story because in some way we could look at Hagar and go well she deserves to be there Good to look at Ishmael. Well, you know, it's just the way it goes. She made, she made bad choices. What was she thinking? What was she, and, we, and we could play, play the role. God would intend for us to play the role of, of intervening in her behalf. And we, we just, you know, we kind of play the role of, you know, born, you know we're kind of like Job's, Job's buddies sometimes. But God shows up in the middle of it, and he... He perceived. I love those words. He, he, he heard. God heard. You hear that? God heard the boy crying. 
God is very aware of the predicament of your children. God is very aware of the the things that hurt on the inside that maybe they haven't even told you about, things they won't talk to you about because they know you're hurting and they're trying to keep things away that they're trying to deal with. They're trying to make sense of all of it. And God is very aware of the cries of their heart as they lay in bed at night. And some of them are teenagers. They drive down the road and that one song comes on the radio and all of a sudden they're just overwhelmed and tore up and trying to figure out where life goes from here. God is hearing all of that. God is very aware of every decision, everything that's going on. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten them. He, he, has, he has not left the storyline. He is very much right in the middle of it. He, he, he will make sure that things happen the way they're supposed to. He will make sure that things go down the way they need to. He will make sure that they have opportunities to be refreshed, to be strengthened, to be encouraged. God hears. It's an amazing piece of scripture. Uh, um, there's, there's a couple of words for the name of God. Elroy, Elroy, we'd probably say in, in, in English, L-E-L-R-O-I. It means the God that sees, he sees. We're more familiar with the name of him called Jehovah Jireh. It has two implications. He sees and he provides. He heard, he perceived. God saw all of this as it went down. He knows the reasons you all have ended up in whatever wilderness place you are in. He's aware of both the decisions that you made and the decisions that other people made that led you to the point you are right here. But he has not left. He's still paying attention. He's listening. He's hearing the cries. He's right there. The other piece of it was he was present. One of the worst songs I think ever written talks about God being looking at us from a distance. If I had a, a CD of Bette Midler singing that song, I'd probably get a rifle out and throw it in the air like we're skeet shooting. Because <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. He's not watching us from a distance. He came to earth to walk where we walk. Jesus would tell the disciples at one point, he's very near you, even as close as your breath, he would tell them. God's not far away. He's right here. He was right here. He said, and he called to Hagar from heaven. The angel of God called. He was right there. He was close enough they could have conversation. He was close enough that, he could, that they could hear his voice. He was close enough that he was, he was right in the middle of it. There's a word for the name of the Lord called Jehovah Shammah, which means the God that is present. The scripture would prophesy about Jesus in Isaiah. And when, when they came to, to declare that Mary would be pregnant, they gave Jesus a name. It was said, he's Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. And he's with you. He is very near. He is not forgotten. He is not, he, not only does he hear, he's near. Not only does he hear with his ears and with his heart, he is very close. His hand is extended towards you. His scepter says, Come. I'm right here. He's present. And check this out. He provided. Check that out. God God said, go to him. Come for I'll make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. Don't know if it was there all the time. Don't know if she was so despondent and so depressed and so discouraged that it was always there or not. But at just the right time, God said, hey, check this out. 
I got something for you. Just at the right time, God provided the fountain of water. Just just the right time, at at, at the, the breaking point, God said, look, I got something. I've never left. Not only am I here, not only do am I near, but I can help get you over this hump. Now this would be this would not be the only day she would need God to show up. This was just the beginning step of understanding that God was right there. And today, God will probably offer to you enough to keep you moving down the path. And someplace down the road, there will be another moment. You know how I know this? Because this was not the first time Hagar was here. Because you'll read a few chapters earlier that she was in this exact spot just a few chapters earlier. This time, in the story we're reading today, she, she was forced to, to walk. The time before that, she chose to walk. And you know what God did? God showed up. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? He had provided for her once before, and he did it again. And check this out. There will be other moments where there will be need and there will be lack. There will be other moments where you don't know which end is up and what's going to happen. And life and your own decisions and other people's goofy ideas and, 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 and actions and all of that stuff. All of that will once again create a scenario. But let me tell you this. God will never give up on you. He will never you leave you high and dry. He will always make sure that wherever you are, he is near, he hears, and he will provide. That's just how he does things. He, he, he's, he's right there. You know what he also did? Think of this, man. Oh, goodness. I love this piece of scripture. Matthew 6. There's, Jesus is talking about how God provides all the physical needs we have. And he makes a statement in there where he goes, listen, I even pay attention to the sparrows. I pay attention to even the sparrows when they fall from the ground, to fall from the sky to the ground. And he makes this statement to every one of us. You are worth more than many sparrows. Seek first the kingdom. He would go on to say in Matthew 6, 33, right after after that. Seek first the kingdom and being right with me, my righteousness. And all of these other things will be added unto you. Don't get anxious about physical need. I got you. Don't be anxious about emotional need. I got you. Don't be anxious about relational need. I got you. Don't be anxious. If you just walk with me, I will be right there and I will provide. I got it covered. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, that's beautiful. It may not material like you hoped it would. It may not materialize the way you thought it would. It may not materialize in your own brain. How, but you know what? He's always going to be right there. God perceived he was present and he provided. But it didn't stop there even. God had purposed. And at this point, we go back a few chapters earlier. See, God had already said certain things. And here's the deal with this. When God says something, he means something. One scripture would say in the New Testament, when we are faithless, he is faithful. He'd already made certain proclamations. He already determined he was going to do certain things with this family. He already determined there was a certain way things were going to go, and he was not about to let up on his end. Genesis 16, Hagar walks. The scenario is this. Sarah can't get pregnant. 
Hagar, she got pregnant right now. As far as we know, one time. Blah! And in the middle of that thing, Hagar began to prance around the house like she was the princess. And then Sarah got really angry. And she went to Abraham. You got to do something about that woman. And Abraham looks at, looks at, Abraham looks at Sarah and goes, well, she's your servant. Do with her whatever you want. And the Bible says Sarah treated Hagar so badly. She just got up one morning and she said, I have had enough. She's pregnant. And she walks. Pregnant and walking. And she finds herself in the exact same spot we found her in Genesis 21. Exactly the same spot. Now check this out. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water. In the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And, she, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm, feeling, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarah, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for, for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He'll be called a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone, everyone, everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called, the name of the, she, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For, tru, for she said, truly, I have seen him who looks after me. She named the place, and I can't really just say it, do it justice, Bear Lahai Roy, which means the well of the living one who sees me. See, she had made bad decisions. Abraham and Sarah had made bad decisions, but none of that took God off his mark. None of that took God off of his plan. None of that took God off of his intentions. None of that took God off of, off, off of what he had already d described would happen. He stayed right focused. And I'm gonna tell you this, you may have made bad plans. You may have made bad decisions. You may have been, felt the brunt of other people's bad decisions. And you may feel like life is completely off track right now. But can I say this? The Lord who sees is right there. The living one who sees is right there. And what he intended for your children, what he planned for your offspring, what he, he intends to follow through. Now, I understand that our children have certain decisions they're going to make too. And sometimes they're going to try and things are going to get messy. But check this out. God's, just, God's faithful and true. God's, he, 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 he makes good on his words. He, he's, he, he is the God who sees. He's the living one. The Bible says he's like a, a man of war. And I like that about him. She had forgotten, but he hadn't. Huh. She had forgotten that God had gotten her through before. She and her son, she had forgotten that God uh, um, had been there. And in both circumstances, you know what God offers her? This. Got a well for you in the wilderness. There's nothing like that. A place of refreshing. You see, in the New Testament, there's this guy named Jesus. One day in the hot 
Middle Eastern son, he finds himself walking through a place called Samaria. Sends his guys on a mission to go get some food and get some supplies, and he sits by a well. He sits at that well, and this lady comes wandering up. Scripture would tell us about her that she was married four times, and she was shacking up at this point. Jesus meets her, living with a fella. Scripture doesn't tell us, but we can infer she was married four times. I can't confirm it, but I wonder how many children were involved in that mess. I wonder how many times they'd moved from place to place, and, and there were days, there were cycles where she just found herself like Hagar, and she's just trying to figure out which end is up and where life's going. I don't even know what to do, and I get into the I wonder. And Jesus looks at her and says, hey, give me something to drink. And she's like, oh, you? Okay. You're a Jew. Why are you here? Because you shouldn't have anything to do with me because your people think I'm unclean. And Jesus said, if you know who asked you for a cup of water, I'd give to you a glass of water, living water. If you drank of it, you'd, drink, you'd never thirst again. And today, mom, today, dad, today, grandparent, who's taking care of, a, a, of an Ishmael, the Lord sees the affliction. He knows the thing. And he says, I, I got a glass of water for you. I got refreshing for you. I, I got hope for you. I got, I got a place. Some of you are, are, are maybe not single parents. You're just single now suddenly. And you find yourself sitting by a well in the daytime trying to figure out where life is going. And Jesus says, I got something to drink for you. Oh, man. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those are some of my favorite words Jesus ever spoke. Because you know what? That applies to every one of us. All of us have found ourselves without. We've all found ourselves burdened down, heavy laden, just like Hagar with that sack on her back and that water on that, and all that stuff she was packing, all that regret and all that grief and all that frustration, all that unforgiveness and all that bitterness and all that stuff she had. And, and Jesus says, look to me, come to me, all you who are weak, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, listen to me, every one of you, whatever life has thrown at you, whatever has gone on or gone wrong, he says, I'm right here. You know what's funny? As Jesus is leaving, he basically tells his disciples to be that for somebody. John 13, he, he pours a, a pitcher like this into a basin. He begins to wash the feet of the weary I walked a long journey with him for three and a half years. And he goes, check this out. And what I've done for you, you do for each other. Maybe today you're not the person who is in the wilderness and trying to take care of Ishmael. But maybe sitting right next to you, right now today, Hagar's sitting there. What Jesus says, be me to her. Be me to Ishmael. Be me to him. Grab the pitcher, wash the feet of the weary, offer a glass to the, to, the, to, the, to the downtrodden, offer a refreshing to the thirsty. Be that, be that. Never get away from the fact that God intends to use you. He intends, he intends to send a messenger into the life of somebody who needs refreshing to offer his words, to offer his living water, to offer his life to them. He intends for you to be that person.
We've got to find the well, don't we? Some of you are walking, and you're, you're not even aware that it's there. Some of you probably maybe woke up this morning, came to church, don't even know why. And the whole time I've been talking, and the whole time during worship, you were just thinking about your son laying underneath the tree. Having a hard time finding the well. Listen to these words. Isaiah 57, our God says this. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. You know, that's a good thing. When you're dealing with the temporary of the now, it's good to know there's one who's bigger than the now and the temporary. He lives in eternity. He's high above. He's not beneath. He's not trapped inside the circumstance. He is beyond the circumstance. He's beyond the situation. He's beyond the regret. He's beyond the, 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 for, the, the forgiveness issues. He's beyond the, 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 the lack. He's beyond all of it. He's beyond. He's high. Who lives in eternity. He says these words to you. Man, it's a beautiful words. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I love this next line. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Today, if you need revived, you've showed up to the right place. You know why? Not because Aaron's here. Aaron can't help you very well. But there's this God named Jehovah. He sent his son named Jesus. And there's a part of him called the Holy Spirit who says right now, I revive those who are crushed. I restore those who are, who are downtrodden. I, I give refreshing to the, the, and he may want to use me to do that. He may not, but here's the thing. He is here right now. It may not be only for just solo parents. Maybe just solo people. Widows, those recently divorced, those of you who lost somebody very dear to you recently, maybe a best friend. God says the same thing to all of us. I'm right here. I mean, he extends his hand. And can I say something? At this moment, many of us already know all the spiritual things to do to keep this thing going. You pray, you read your Bible, you show up. The church, you become a part of a body, you get locked into a connection, you make sure you got, kind of, and we know all that sort of thing. But can I just lay some things on you that are just a little more practical? There is probably lack at a physical level in, 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 a, in a lot of our lives sitting around here. We can do something about that physical thing. If you're, if you're a single parent, can I say something to you? Do your kids and stuff a favor and find somebody of the opposite gender to kind of help you fill gaps. And I'm not saying getting married. I mean, find like a grandpa figure or a grandma figure who can help fill the, you know, have those kind of talks that only a guy can have with another guy or a, a woman can only have another woman. Find, find somebody who, 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 can, who can grab a baseball glove and a mitt and, and, and put those things there and walk out in the, in the backyard and throw that thing back and forth. Find, the, 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 how, many, how many of you people who are here right now would say, man, if, if, if there's a parent who has that kind of need, I, I'd just volunteer. Would you raise your hand and say, look, I, I, I'd, I'd help out. I'd be a grandma to someone. Look at her. I, I, I'd throw a ball with a with a boy. I'd I'd take somebody hunting. I'd I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be that. I, I would I would take a girl shopping for for school clothes. I look just look, just leave, if you do that, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Now, now look if you if you're a, a single parent in that ball in that boat. Look look around for a minute. Just look around. 
If you need a mentor or somebody just to help fill like a, a feminine gap in, in, in your family or a masculine gap, look around for just a minute. Look at this. Look, 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 okay? Cool beans, huh? Make a connection. You hear a guy talking about the same team your kid loves, would you say, would you go, listen, hey, could you help me with that? Would you like sit, invite him over when, God forbid, the Browns are playing? Huh? When, you, when, when, when one of your daughters makes a comment about how a, another lady in the church dresses or handles herself, would you try and go, you know what, hey, would you take my daughter shopping with you? Because that would be awesome. She really likes you, and, and, and there's a connection there. Would you just do that? Can I, can I encourage you to do something else? You as a parent need a mentor. You, you need somebody who, who can walk alongside of you. You need maybe somebody who's, who's walked a parenting path. Maybe, maybe another single parent who, who walked a journey for a while. Maybe, maybe just another parent who survived the teenage years. You know? And my parents with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? As a parent, you've got to survive the teenage years. Right? Huh? Woo! Teenagers throw a whole hundred ball wax at you. You're just not used to. You know what I mean? Find somebody. If, you, if you'd say, listen, I could... I'd be willing to help a parent be a parent. If I could do that, would you just raise your hand real quick where you're sitting? I'd help a parent. I'd help another parent. I don't feel real qualified, but I've been through some stuff. I got more horror stories than I got good stories, but I mean, I may hope they can learn something from it. You know, I don't know. Huh? I'd do that. Can I encourage you guys? If we're, if we're not that, I've already asked the question, I guess. Be willing to be the well for a single parent near you or another parent near you. Be willing to be the messenger who finds the, 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 the person in need amongst you. The scripture, I keep, this passage of scripture just keeps going over my mind over the last few months. Psalm 68 says, says God sets the solitary in families. You know what? By us being that and doing that, he will do that. He'll set the solitary in families. See, the whole point of the gospel is this. They're, 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 we are his lost children. We are his lost people. We walked away from him. We're very clear on that. There's a thing that lives inside of us called sin. And the whole purpose of the gospel is this, that Jesus came to fix the divide that's broken between us. And he would take us out of our orphanhood and he will place us in a family called his church. And he says this, I will pour my blood on you. And all the stuff that you've done that is wrong, that is horrible, that's ugly, I will wash it clean as if it never happened. And I will set you someplace where the family is secure, where life can be found, where joy can be had, where peace can be experienced, where love drives away fear. I would love to do that for you. That is the whole story of the gospel. And today he makes an extension to every one of us to come be a part of the family. But here's the deal. If we're going to be the family, we've got to be the family. And we find those Hagars sitting around us. We find those ladies at the well. We find those single dads and those, those, those grandparents who are packing a load. You know what we need to do? Not develop a new program to handle that. What we need to do? We need to just be the body of Christ and be that. Just be the body of Christ. 